we're going to continue on with the great sermon because it's great. Y'all sit down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I looked up and was like, why are they standing? <laughs> oh, God's fun. Um, so I was thinking on this. You know, Pastor got up here and since he started this, he's like, how many have read this and just been like, yeah, that's awesome. And I don't think a single one of us did, me included, pastor included. I'm like, Lord, why not? Because I'm reading this now and it's like, wow, the stuff was here the whole time. I'm like, Lord, why didn't I see it? You know, why didn't I see just the preciousness for what it was? And I'm sure this will not apply to you, but it certainly did to me. He said, you've been a baby. I was like, well, thank you very much. But you know, a baby, they don't care what they eat. They just give me something, guzzle, 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 and then they go on whatever they're going to do now. Eat, sleep, poop, you know, that's about it. Amen. So, I mean, really, a mama hands them a bottle, they guzzle it down. Unless it's soured milk, they pretty much just gulp, gulp, gulp. However, when we grow up, when we mature, we appreciate the finer things in life, Amen. like steak. Amen. 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 Yeah, buddy. Amen. So what do you do to steak? You marinate it and season it, like you rub it down, you let it sit. Like when pastor wants to grill out steaks, it's an all-day process. Because I start in the morning with the marinade, and it sits and soaks. Then he fires up the grill and he puts it on the grill. And then you walk past and you're like, how much longer? And you inhale the aroma of it. And then you get it on your plate and you cut into it. And you don't just look, there's a steak. But I mean, you, you appreciate the juices flowing out of it. However you like your steak. I like mine medium. So just a little bit of pink in the middle. You open it up and you're just waiting to see that. And you're like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> And then you take that first bite, and we don't eat steak a whole lot. So when I take that first bite, I'm just like, oh, yes, this is so good. This is what the word is. Amen. This is our porterhouse. It's been marinating for a lot longer than one day. It's been seasoned with just the goodness of God. And when we appreciate it, for what it is, we take a bite out of that word, that's when it's like, Lord, you gave me this? I mean, hamburger helper would have sufficed, but you gave me this, you know? That's why we've not seen it yet. So I encourage you today, as you're listening, let this be your porterhouse appreciate every little goodie that comes out of it because it's there. Not because pastor and I are preaching it, but because God said it's the great sermon and if God calls it great, great day, you know? So here's my question. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want the blessings of God manifested in your life? And I know you're going to be like, well, yeah, 
But I want you to think. I'm not just talking about the blessings of God or blessings of man. I'm not just talking about little bitty things. Oh, well, that's a lovely little tree. You know, oh, shiny new shoes. They're not new, but you know. I'm not just talking about little things. I'm talking about the blessings of God himself. His will from heaven being done in your life. Do you want that? I'm so glad you said yes. If you didn't, then it kind of destroyed my whole message. (laughs) The good news is is he's shown us exactly how to get them. He's shown us the conditions to meet so that they will manifest in our lives. And what's even better is he's given us the grace and empowerment to obtain them. So we've been learning about the Beatitudes, which that word itself means supreme blessedness. Not just a little blessed. God didn't want you to have just a little taste. He said, I want you to have supreme blessedness. I want you to the full, to the overflow, supreme blessedness. Good stuff. So let's review what he was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Over in Matthew 5, starting in verse 1, we're going to go through verse 6. It says, When Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And I want you to stop right there. They came to him. He didn't have to go after every single person. They came to him. Why? Why did they come to him? He had something, which means they came expecting great things. Are you expecting today? Because you'll get what you expect. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. One more question. Why teach? We've got teachers in here. We've got parents in here. Why do we teach our kids? So they don't do wrong? So they can learn? Because my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge? Because knowledge is power. He's teaching them because he wants them to have everything they need. He doesn't want them falling for the traps of the enemy. He doesn't want them falling for the lies. He's teaching them because he knows they can have everything they've ever wanted. They just need to know how to get it. So he began teaching them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle or humble, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now I encourage you, if you've not heard these, definitely go back. But even if you've heard, what are we on, like five? Yeah. If you've heard great sermon one through four, Go back. I guarantee you, it was such a big meal, you had leftovers. And leftovers, y'all, I'm not hungry. I'm sorry. I promise I'm not. But food, just, it's, it's the word. Leftovers. Some leftovers, they sit there and they marinate like Italian food. Italian food marinated and leftover night, to me, is even better than the day before. 
go back and listen to. You can go on boomerangchurch.org. Go to the archives. Listen to one through four again and get all the goody that was in there because I guarantee you there's something in there that you've missed that you'll open your eyes to because it, it has been in there. It's been in there. You've heard, you've heard the seed planted, and it's been ruminating in your spirit. And you're going to go back, and you're going to hear it, and you're like, he said that? Man, that's good. That's in the Word? That's good. So go back. Be a good Berean. Study to show yourself approved. Amen. Re-listen. So what is it to be blessed? Because he keeps saying blessed, 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 blessed. Well, the Amplified describes blessed as Happy. Amen. You want happiness? Yeah. To be envied. Amen. How about this? As a child of God, you have a responsibility to be envied. Amen. That's good. That's really? Why is anybody going to want to seek after a God if we're broke down, busted, disgusted? We walk into work. How was your week? <laughs> How's the family? Ugh. <laughs> Those kids are driving me nuts. <laughs> I mean, really. They'll be like, wonderful. So glad you serve that great big God. But someone is to look at us like, this shirt. So we did Connection Show. I bring half my closet for Connection Show because I don't know what I'm going to need to wear. And flat out honest, I have no sense of style. So what I do have, because God gives to his beloved, is I have a Barrett. Yes, I do. I do. I have a Barrett who in some you know, not past life because we don't believe in past life, but, you know, she, wants, she should have been probably a personal shopper for people. If you need personal shopping, I, just come see me. I'll have my people call your people. So we're doing Connection Show, and I bring some of my clothes, and she happened to bring a couple of hers. And she brought this shirt. I was like, I like that shirt. That's pretty nice. Well, she's like, Wear it for this episode. I was like, okay, I think I will. Thanks. So I wore it for this episode. And Pastor's like, I really like that shirt. Thanks, it's Barrett's. So we get to the end of the episode, and Pastor's like, that shirt looks really good on you. I like that shirt. Thanks, it's Barrett's. So we get to the end of the show, and Barrett's like folding up her clothes, and she goes, here's your shirt. I was like, no, that one's yours. She goes, no, no, no. Pastor really likes this shirt on you, so this is your shirt now. <laughs> but would he have said the same thing if it had holes all in it? If it had stains all over it? He looked at the shirt. He likes blue. I like blue. It's got flowers. We have a thing about necklines. Like, we like different necklines. I'm sorry, Shay, I hit the thing. We have different necklines. So... It's got a little ruffly neckline. It's not just, you know, that rounded T-shirt that, like, cuts you in the neck. You know, it's pretty. It was a shirt to be envied. Are we that? Come on, preach it. Are we walking through the world 
with the God that we serve, living a life that is blessed. Walking into work on a Monday going, Merry Monday, how you doing? Somebody's going to go, you know why? Because I've done that to Deb. Because Deb is a morning person, and praise God, I am now a morning person. Some days it may not manifest, but it's starting to manifest every morning because I'm blessed. So I walk into work, and I've adopted this Merry Monday. So I just tell people, Merry Monday. How you doing? Merry Monday. And they're like, go away. But then they'll be like, what is wrong with her? And I'm able to say, God is good. Let me tell you. I did this last week, I promise you. This isn't just like a sermon. I did this. So I walked into the office, and there's this lady sitting, and she's sitting, and she's typing, and she's like, morning. And I'm like, Merry Monday. She's like, and I, she's going, oh, God, he's going to make me talk to her. How was your weekend, Nicole? It was wonderful. Let me tell you what Jesus did. And I didn't even let her say, okay, tell me. I just started telling her. And I'm like, so he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and oh my goodness, let me tell you about this. And he did this. It was great. Oh. And you could see, like, the wheels were starting. They were squeaking, but they were starting to turn. And so I was like, Lord, do you want to say anything else? Okay. And so I was telling her about this opportunity that we had, because we live in a world, there's going to be opportunities and we had an opportunity. Let me tell you about this opportunity we had. Satan is so stupid. Let me tell you how God worked it out. And so I was telling her. And I was full of joy. And I'm watching her. And her disposition is changing. And by the end of it, she's like, you know, that's how we're supposed to live life. And I was like, <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> and I went on with my day. Because I planted that seed in her. And so I went on, and it was a great day. But if I walk in going, oh, my God, it's a Monday. Don't talk to me. I've done this. I'm sorry. But I have. Good morning. I'll see you later. Don't talk to me. I've not yet had coffee. And she, this coworker, knows me enough that she used to know, don't go see Nicole till like 9 o'clock. She's at least had two cups of coffee by then. (laughs) What kind of cruddy witness was that? So are we living a life blessed to be envied that makes people say, I want that? That makes people cruddy Monday turn into a merry Monday? Live a life that makes them think you're crazy. Because they're going to wonder. They're going to go, you know what? That girl is nuts. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know I'm right because you've done it to people. Like you see somebody and you're like, did you see that? What, what's going to happen with them next? Hey, y'all, watch this. But we're walking around happy to be envied. 
spiritually prosperous. That means overflowing in every good thing. With life. With joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You feeling weak? Put on your blessings. With satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of the outward condition. So what happens when you go to the table and you eat and then you get satisfied? You're like, "Mm, that was good. I didn't gorge myself. I don't feel like puking. But man, that was so good. That was just what I wanted. Like, I've been wanting something, I didn't know what I wanted, but I came to the table and I ate, and man, the temperature was just right, the seasoning was just right, the flavor was just right, the portion was just right. Man, that was good. Now, you could be sitting in just a nuts of a world, because we are. Because they don't have what we have. The blessing is saying... I don't care what I see. See, you think what I see matters. But see, what I know is the truth. Let me introduce you to the truth. You see, there's a blessing that's here for you that can keep you satisfied regardless of what you see, regardless of what you feel. You may not feel like getting up on Mondays. Y'all, I am trying to become a morning person, but I am telling you, I really do like to sleep. Yes. Thank you. I love you too, even in the mornings. But I wake up. And before I open my eyes, I'm like, okay, Lord, thank you for the blessing of that rest. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to kick Satan in the teeth. Amen. I've got this. All right, let's go. And I slowly get out of bed. Because sometimes I go slowly. And praise God, I go brush my teeth. Because then, you know, I don't hurt Brian. But I get up. Satisfied. Whether I'm Deb. Good morning. <laughs> Or whether I'm me going, Merry Monday. I'm satisfied knowing that regardless of what my flesh feels, regardless of what my eyes see, I've got the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who surrounds me, has gone before me, stands behind me, and covers me in every good gift. And I couldn't, I can't walk in anything but the blessing of God because it's who I am. This is blessed. This is who you are as a child of God. So my question, you want to be blessed? The blessings of God? Let's move on to today's verse is, starting at verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And y'all, Webster The original Webster, like, you know, before the world messed it up, the original Webster has some power-packed definitions. Mercy in Webster's is a noun. 
It's that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries. It's a little bit hot up here. I'm getting feedback. And to forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. Now listen to this. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest is grace. It implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity or compassion, and clemency, but exercised only towards offenders. Mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the supreme being. You see, mercy is a goodness or kindness given whether we are reaping or sowing, reaping what we have sown, whether we are afflicted, no matter what hardship we find ourselves in. Mercy says, when you mess up, what do you want? And then you do it. Because every one of us here have messed up. And every one of us goes, I know I messed up. I really just wish that they would do this. Not what I deserve, but just do this. Mercy does it. We must be a merciful people. We're created in his image. And it tells us that mercy is a distinguishing attribute of he who we were created to be like. It's who we are. And there's going to be plenty of opportunities for us to walk in mercy. So I'm going to give you two of my own personal ones because I'm sure y'all are better than me and you probably don't have as many opportunities for mercy as I have. But just this weekend, so I was studying for the sermon and we came upon this encounter and I've got my daughters who have watched me study for this sermon and listened to pastor and I talk about mercy and the power of it. And I'm going, snap, dragon, I have to act in mercy. (laughs) Because here's what we did. So pastor and I, our schedules, they are um, opportunistic at times. We have a full-time ministry. I have a full job, full-time job outside of ministry. We have three kids. We have the connection show. We have lots of stuff going on. So we have to purpose ourselves to make time, which we do at the beginning of every year. I go ahead and I put in the calendar, hot date night. That's just for me and Pastor. Daughter dates. And what we do on daughter dates is Luke goes to a friend's house, and then I'll take one daughter And pastor takes the other daughter. And we go our separate ways and we take them out on a date. And we devote all of our attention that day to that daughter. So this month, it was me and Rachel. All of my attention was on Rachel. I asked her what she wanted to do, where she wanted to go. And we went and did it. And I found this really neat place that is kind of an artsy place where you can go and you can create stuff. 
never been there. Walked in. I was like, this is going to be so much fun. So we sat. We created. Took us, I think, two hours to do it because we just took our time. I let her pick out the colors, what we did. We did it together. We each played a part. Like, we, what I created was a frame. So because I took a picture of us, I'm going to put it in the frame that we've designed together. And I'm going to have this great little thing that I can look back on and go, oh, that was from that time. Well, they have to fire it. I don't know pottery, so I'm learning all this stuff. They have to fire it. So I give it to them after we painted it. We've even written a little thing on the back. It's so cutesy-tootsy. And we give it to them, and they're supposed to call me in 7 to 10 days. And on day 14, I still haven't heard from them. Okay, and by the way, we drove over an hour to get there. So I call them yesterday, and I'm like, hey, I was supposed to hear from somebody by Tuesday, but I haven't heard from anybody. Just wanted to check and see what was going on. Well, ma'am, actually. Oh, snap. Ma'am, so we got your thing out of the fire and it cracked. Wonderful. Would have been great if somebody would have called because I've got a daughter that's been looking forward to this. But that's okay. No worries. We'll come down there. We'll see it. I'm sure there's some kind of glue or something. So the lady's like, we are so sorry this happened. We're going to not only give you the frame. I know it's broken, but you can still have it. We'll give you a full refund. Okay, that's fine. And I'm thinking I'm just going to give it right back to you because we're going to do something else, create, that she can, so she can have it. So we get there, and the clean crack, see, a clean crack is like a straight line. The clean crack that, was, that I saw was not so straight which means gluing it together is going to be a little bit more opportunistic. Then I get there, and, well, we're not going to give you the refund, but you can have the frame, and we'll give you a discount on your next purchase. <laughs> and so I can decide right here, what do I do? Do I go, oh, no, no, let me tell you what you're going to do. Do you know the time that I have spent driving to and from here, the time that I spent working on this, the money that I invested in gas and in the money to buy it and then the money to get back here? And not only that, but you didn't call me on time. Then you want to tell me that I can't have the refund? Not only that, I've got to go buy glue to fix your mistake. Oh, no, let me tell you what's going to happen. See, that's what Nicole would have done pre-Jesus. I would have told them exactly how it was going to go down. The red head would have come out. And so Abigail looks at me and she goes, what are you going to do? That was special for you and Rachel. And I said, well, I'm going to sow mercy. Because it's not their fault that it broke. I'm sure there's a perfectly good reason they forgot to call. I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation for why they can't hold true to their word. And regardless of whether it is or not, what does it matter? Them giving me my refund or not doesn't make the frame go back to perfection. So I can either act out like a turd and now 
Rachel's memory of our day together is, well, we had fun painting, but then they screwed everything up, and then mom lost her cool, and then we looked like idiots standing beside this, you know, raging woman. Or I can say, you know what, baby, no worries. We'll glue it back. We'll still put our picture in there, and it's just going to add to the humor of the story. And we're going to love on these people. Because it's not their fault that it broke. And the girl that was working there isn't the owner. She promised something. She talked to the owner. The owner changed the story. So when I go to her and she says, I'm sorry, but I can't give you the refund that I told you. And I said, problems? We're just going to give it right back to you anyways. We'll be back. Oh. Thank you. Have a good day. How much better did her day go? Because she didn't have this raging, crazy lunatic of a redhead woman. You know? Probably the rest of her day went better. Even if there were hiccups. She saw grace manifested. And it was given to her. And what we're given, we can pour out. So she was probably able to pour out mercy on that loud birthday party in the back room because she was just given mercy. Or how about the service business that I encountered last weekend when I was telling my coworker? So a service business is supposed to provide you a service. They're supposed to do a good job. Satisfaction guarantee, I think, is what their thing says. Well, they didn't do a good job. And the problem is we needed the job to be good because we were going to pass this on to someone else. I don't want to give details because it's a local service business and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. So we went back and said, hey, um, thank you for the service you did provide, but there's some gaps here and we actually need to pass this on to someone else. So could we possibly get that redone and have this part taken care of? Yeah, yeah, no problem. They were fine. So they went and they resurfaced what they were supposed to service and we sat there and we waited and we waited, waited. I've got somewhere to be and I waited. And I'm watching out the window and they're not, working on my stuff anymore. It's like just sitting to the side. Okay. So I went out and I was like, is this done? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Wonderful. As I've been sitting there watching them not work on it for 20 minutes. And then I look at this should be perfectly serviced item And it is still not perfect. Not even really good. Okay. So I asked, Lord, do I ask them again to redo this? He's like, well, what can you do about it? I can fix it. Then just give them a break. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. So I took the item with me. And I did what needed to be done. Now, good money was paid for that to be serviced. And typically, that's a trigger for us. Oh, I've got grace and mercy until you go empty my bank account. 
right. till you go wasting my time. Yeah. Do you know where I need to be? And that's one we tend to forget. Mercy who? <laughs> I paid you to do a good job. You need to be doing it. Come Not, I got to do your job and his job too. Waste my time and my money. I didn't even get a refund. We're going to have plenty of opportunities to sow mercy. And that's just two. And that's with the world. How about these? How about at work with your coworkers? What's even better? How about at home? Because mercy tends to be easier to give to people that you can just be like, here, have some mercy. Peace out. (laughs) But when you got to go home with them and live with them and lay beside them in the bed... Good night, dear. Or cart them off to school. Mercy is sometimes, it's a peachy keen opportunity at home. But what does it say? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You see, we give mercy to those who don't deserve it, to those who haven't earned it, but blessed by God himself are the ones who extend mercy, Mm. kindness, benevolence and compassion to others whether they deserve it or not. For they, the ones who sow mercy, for they shall receive supernatural blessing, kindness, compassion and mercy from God whether we deserve it or not. It's a promise. Because we've sown that mercy, we will reap it. Because God's not a man that he should lie. He said, you give mercy, you will receive mercy. Hosea 2.23 says, I will sow for her myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Was it mercy that Christ came and died for us when we were his enemies? Had we been there at that time, we likely would have helped with the lashings. We likely would have helped with the gossip and the rumors that got him arrested. And yet he still chose to die for us. How about today? We've likely taken his name in vain. We've likely spoken against the word of God. We have been his enemy. And he knew we would be. And still, out of his mercy, he gave his son, his one and only son. You see, he's sown mercy in our lives. He should receive mercy in his kingdom. Mercy helps him to stay strong and not grow weary in well-doing. 
2 Corinthians 4, 1 says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. Are you tired of doing stuff? Growing weary and well-doing? Sow some mercy. I guarantee you, you'll be strengthened. So here's your action point for mercy. Actively look for places to give mercy to others, then sow mercy in the ways that you want to harvest. Our next verse is Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, y'all, this just spoke all kinds to me. So we looked up pure. Pure. It means given to pruning. And that's why I was like, I don't think I want to preach this one, Lord. It's like a vine. If a rose bush or a grapevine is going to efficiently produce an abundant harvest, what does it have to be Go, what does it have to go through? It has to go through a pruning. It's probably why all my rose bushes died because I couldn't do it. But you got to go in there and you got to snip off the bad parts. The dead weight. Clean it out so that it can flourish. So that it can be full and not just scrawny. Now, I'm sure it doesn't feel good in the process. I can say this with confidence because I've been pruned. It did not feel good in the process. I'm like, Lord. He said, I've got more for you. You see, pureness is an ongoing process. It's like cleaning the house. So we're now at, what, July 29th? Let's say I cleaned my house on July 1st. Jesus walks in. Hey, Jesus, you want to go to my house for supper? You think maybe there'd be some hesitation there? Like, hmm. There's dog hair on the floor. There's Luke's toys, well, everywhere. Um, There's laundry. Smells like sweaty teenagers. Um, Well, the bathroom's... We'll just shut the door. Maybe he won't need to go. Maybe China will be okay. He doesn't really need fine China. If I get the really expensive paper plates. I mean, really. Which of us are going to do that? We're going to be like, um, you distract him. I'm going to go home and clean. And let me tell you, it's amazing how clean you can get a house in 10 minutes before somebody comes over. But what happens when you do that? You're like, to the closet. And here's all the laundry. And under the bed, he won't look under there. And the surface looks clean. But then there's that time when they drop something and they woo down to bend it. And they're like, oh, sweet Jesus. (laughs) And they see everything. That's not a clean house. That's not a pure heart. It's an ongoing process. You see, I, see, I really like cleaning. Cleaning is like, <laughs> I like clean. 
I like the smell of pine saw. I like the smell of pledge. So I use these things. And you go up to, you know, some pretty wood piece, and you see all that worldly junk on it, the dust. And you take your pledge, and you spray it on there, and polish it, and it's nice and shiny. It smells good, so you just polish it some more. And it's shiny. But it also helps to keep the dust of the world from settling again. It keeps it shining longer. When we go and freely give ourselves to God to be pruned, when we take the blood of Christ and polish our life with it, an ongoing process, shining it up so that we walk through life and someone's going, I don't know what that is, but man, I want it. Why doesn't the stuff of the world stick to them like it does me? And then we go home and it's a Lord, polish me some more, prune me some more, purify me some more so that we can walk back in this way. And they're going, who are they? What do they have? Why are they able to shine like that? Do they not see the situation? But because we're able to walk in purity, we don't bring the filth of the world with us to the situation. You see, the world doesn't need more world. It's dying because it has the world. The world needs somebody pure of heart to bring the blood of Christ and the pureness of our Savior into a situation to dispel the junk of the world. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So when they walk into the hell of earth and they walk into the darkness of a situation, they shall see God. Because it's all over them. Because they prune themselves of the junk. So how do we know if we're pure in heart? And this is where it gets so toe-stepping. And I'm not sorry, but I am. But God told me to preach it. So here's the question. If we go to bed tonight and God showed up, And we knew that we knew it was him. And he says, everything that you've worked for, what your parents have groomed you for, what you went to school for, spent all that money, what you've saved all that money for, what you've planned for, what you and your wife have set and drawn out, your dream board, all the rungs of the ladder that you've climbed in your career, I want you to give them over because we're going to go in this direction instead of that. What would our response be? You see, most of us would probably be like the rich young ruler. We'd really want to. But we'd be sorrowful. 
and we wouldn't be able to walk away. Because instead of being pruned and polished, we'd have the dirt of the world going, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what's down that road. I don't know how it'll all work out. But God, I've spent all this time in this career climbing these ladders. I've spent all this time at school, all that money. And you just want me to walk away? But Lord, I thought I was supposed to be a doctor. And you want me to go over here? You see, that's probably how most of us would be. Instead, we need to be the disciples. They dropped it all. He said, come and follow me. And they're like, somebody else can have them nets. You can have the fish too. I got something better. They didn't ask, how's my wife going to eat? Do you know how hungry teenage kids are? I've got to feed them. They just said, he said go, so we're going. I don't know all of the whys and the hows, but I know him. And I'm following him, and all this other stuff can follow, drop off, or whatever, because it's going to work out as I follow him. And I know that sounds easier said than done, because... We've lived this one too. And some of you have heard this testimony. Pastor was raised and we had a company called Water Care Technologies. His daddy founded this company back in the 70s. Pastor was raised climbing over 55-gallon drums, 5-gallon barrels, big old heaping tanks, playing hide-and-seek behind them. It's what he knew. He knows chemistry very well because he grew up shaking his little tubes, watching the little chemicals and what they do. His daddy pruned him for this, raised him for this, taught him everything he knew. He got out of the Marine Corps. He went to work for daddy. It's what he knew. We get married. His daddy wants to sell the company. Well, of course, we're going to buy it. It's all he's ever known. It's a legacy passed down. We can continue passing it to our kids. We'll teach our kids how to do it. Have our own business. Work for ourselves. We don't have to say yes or no to the man. It's what we know. Until God says, I want you to sell it. Now, mind you, by this point, we own the company. And I'm working for my husband. And that is our only income. And God says, I want you to sell it. We weren't pure of heart because we didn't go, okay. We took a year to go, do you see anything in there? I think I may have some buildup or something because I'm hearing things. And then God would say, Um, I think I need to go fast and pray. I didn't need to fast and pray. He done told me what I needed to know. So finally, after a year of stuff just not working right, Lord, what's going on? You know, that temper tantrum we throw. God says, um, baby, I've already told you what you need to do. 
I've even sent you the buyer. He's been right here. Oh. So we called the buyer. And he's like, I'd actually like to buy your company. But wait, there's more. Because we finally got a little bit pure of heart and we're willing to let the business go. But then God tells us basically to shorten this story. We were going to sell it for here. We sold it for here. (laughs) And financed it. And money tends to be where people, they don't want to be so pure of heart. And I'm not saying we were there yet either. It took a little bit. But we saw him. And we realized, I don't know the whys in the house. And this really does not feel comfortable. But Diddy's asked me to do it. And he only asked me to do things that are going to lead me to triumph. So I understand that all these people think we're nuts. And trust me, so many people thought we were nuts. And some talked about us behind our back. And some told us to our face, you're nuts. And we said, we realize that it appears that way. And we are nuts for Jesus. And he's asked us to do this, so we're going to do it. And so we walked away from what Brian knew his whole life, what he knew how to do very well. He trained the buyer and for years was the buyer's consultant. What do I do when this happens? Well, this is what you do. But God said, walk away. He said, it's not what I called you for permanently, maybe for a time, but that's not where you're going. It's a new day. Or how about being pure of heart when he says stay? So this one's mine. You see, I have a heart for ministry. I have a heart for full-time ministry. I would love nothing more than to stand beside my husband day after day, ministering and loving on people and going into all the world. And for some reason, God said, no, I want you to stay where you are. And when I first heard that, I was not very pure of heart because I did a little bit of a temper tantrum. But God, I'm wanting to do this for you. (laughs) I'm wanting to minister to your people, love on your people. And he's like, that's wonderful. (laughs) You're doing that right there, right where I planted you. But Diddy, I don't like it. You should learn to like it. Because if I placed you there, you have a purpose. So maybe instead of changing the job, you should change your heart. Yeah, that was all kind of toe-stepping on me. Pure of heart says, if he asks you the question... If he asks you to give something up, can you answer it in two seconds? And it really is just that fast. Because if he walks in these doors and says, hey, y'all, come on. And you've got to go, oh, well, I need to pick up the laundry. And um, could I meet you later? That's not pure of heart. 
That's putting all your own stuff on it. And if you can't give it up in two seconds, you don't have it. It has you. So pure of heart says, Lord, here I am. Whatever you need, whatever you see that needs to be pruned, take it. Because if it's not going to bring fulfillment in your kingdom, I don't want it in my life. That's pure of heart. And there will be times that we'll need help to be pure, and that's okay. I hope the stallings don't mind. I'm going to use them as an example, and I didn't ask your permission, but I love you. So recently, the stallings have had some changes in their lives. Paul was presented with a business opportunity, and praise God, he's a man who hungers after the Lord, and the word says to seek wise counsel. So before he got his heart settled on anything, he came to Pastor and I, and he said, I've got this presented before me, and I think maybe I should do this, but I want to hear your input. And it was a great opportunity. It would have provided for his family. But Pastor and I both had leading that there was a better opportunity. And God gave wise counsel into Paul and said, how about this? And he showed him exactly how it would work. The pieces fell in place. Not only does he now have a job, but he is now a business owner. He owns his own business where he can go into the world taking the light, laying hands on buildings and houses, imparting the blessing of God. Jade, business opportunities, multiple. And some of them look very good and some of them look very comfortable. But out of her hunger to be who God wants her to be, she came and she said, I really like the looks of this one and what it would provide. But this one is really comfortable and I wouldn't have to grow or change or do anything and I could just sit. But God. And so she took the word, pure of heart, and said, The word tells me to seek wise counsel. The word tells me that I have a shepherd that can see. So, Lord, prune me of anything that is not of you. Because if it's going to hold me back from fulfilling your call, I don't want it in my life. That's being pure of heart. And it's okay to reach out. In fact, it's being pure of heart to reach out because the word tells you to. He tells us, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Again, this is a promise. They shall see God. They shall discern, perceive, know he's there. And when I was reading that, what I got in my head was infiltrated. He has infiltrated every fiber of your being. You were so purely him that there's nothing else that has space to be there. So when you walk through the world, 
He's all that can come out. When you walk home and the wife is pulling her hair out and the kids are screaming, the husband can walk home and speak life and peace into the situation because he is so purely full of God that it's all he knows. When the wife calls and the husband's having a horrendous day and co-workers are just on him like white on rice and won't let go, she can speak life into him because she is so pure, it's all that can come out of her mouth. We see him because it's all we know. Because we are so purely filled up with him that we can't see anything else. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God because it's all they're full of. So your action point, give ourselves to God daily for a continual cleaning and willingly let go of anything that we aren't sure is from God. Because here's the thing, if it is from God today, it'll be God tomorrow. And if you let go and you say, Lord, here you go, you can have it. I don't need it anymore. It's yours. Is a loving ditty going to let water, something that I need to survive, is he going to say, oh, good, thank you, I think I'll keep that? Or is he going to find a way to get it back in my life because it's his perfect will for it to be? When we're pure of heart, we're willing to let go of anything because we know that if it's his, it'll be his tomorrow and he'll get it to me. Five, nine, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Then over in James 3.18 it says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If we want to be righteous, if we want to be called the sons of God, that requires us to be peacemakers. Now for me, as a woman, I read this, and I paraphrase it. Women, shut your trap. Amen. Now, I know men do this too. Not even going to, like, deceive me. I know y'all do this, but I'm a woman, and I hear it from women all day long. Shut your trap, because it's just that. It is a trap. You see, we're called to not only make peace, but also maintain peace. If it doesn't bring peace and unity, then it doesn't need to be spoken. It says, think on that which is good and pure and lovely and worthy of praise. If it's not good, pure and lovely and worthy of praise, it's not going to bring peace and we don't need to have any part of it. Not even with our lips. Because they're much more powerful than we give them credit for. You see, the world spoke, was spoken into existence. So if we're speaking discord, if we're speaking disunity, then we are creating discord and disunity. So when women, you're talking to your friends, and it's like, oh my God, let me tell you what my first child did. Like that husband, you know, your first kid, I mean, because... Obviously, your husband's your first kid. You're constantly having to clean up after him, take care of him. 
do stuff for him. Serve him just like a kid. That's where you go in and go, hmm, that's an anointed man of God right there. Oh, honey, you haven't seen my husband. Oh, no. Maybe, maybe not. But I have seen God. And I know what God has called him to be. So I'm going to speak life into your husband because I love you enough that I want your husband to be what God's called him to be. Men, they are not balls and chains. Your woman, she's a helpmeet. She's a priceless vessel to be loved as Christ loved the church. So if we can't speak peace into a marriage, tell your friends, do not come to me with your problems because I... I'm not at a place where I can hear this and speak peace into it. And I love you too much to speak anything less than peace. Because it's okay to shut up. What's the phrase? There's some phrase that says, talking about people being an idiot. Yeah, well, there's that one. But there's a worldly phrase like, keep your mouth shut and they don't know, but open your mouth and it removes all doubt. When we open our mouth, it must be peace. It must be unity. Don't be a stick and stir up trouble. Don't hear a friend's complaint and piggyback on it and go, oh my gosh, I know. Let me tell you what happened to me the other day. It was just like that. Or how about this one? You see somebody blessed and you go to your friend going, oh my God. That should be yours. You deserve that. You've been working for that. That promotion, you put in the hours for that. That should be yours. You need to go right up there now and tell them that should be yours. That's disunity. That is not peace. Here's how you walk in peace. You know that God is your defender. You know that God is your promoter. And you rest knowing that whatever you need, my God is big enough to get it to me. You see, a lack of peace is a lack of trust in God. You don't serve some little statue Buddha you rub his belly and hope all things work out. You serve the great creator of this world who created all good things. So here again, we reap what we sow. If you want a peaceful life, then you sow peace. You go into a crazy situation and you bring peace. Johnny and I had the opportunity to do that this year. We had a crazy situation. Death threats, guns, what's the chloroform, nine different police departments. The job that I didn't want to be at. I got pure in heart. (laughs) No, it is funny. (laughs) I laughed at me and God. I finally pruned and got pure of heart and said, all right, Lord, I'll be here as long as you want me here. I'll do this job as long as you want me to do it. Even if that means I never get full-time ministry in the church. Because here's the thing. As a child of God, who's not a full-time minister? And peace 
is what we're called to minister. So the company we worked for had two full-time ministers bringing peace into a situation where some people were scared, worried, concerned. We were able to speak peace, to bring peace into that situation. We pursued it so that we could take it with us everywhere we went. Matthew Henry says the peacemakers are happy. We weren't full of fear and concern. Because while it looked nuts, we knew God was bigger. And we knew that if we were there, God was there. Peacemakers love and desire and delight in peace and study to be quiet. And I know there's, that's where I lost some of you people. Are like, hmm. Quiet? <laughs> oh. Okay. They keep the peace. Let it not be broken. But then they recover it when it is broken. If the peacemakers are blessed, woe to the peace breakers. Think about that. What's the opposite of blessing? It's cursing. If there's curses, you feel like there's curses manifesting in your life, look back. See if there's an area that you need to repent of. See if there's peace you need to take into a situation. Call that friend. Call that family member. Call that coworker, and say, you know what, I need to apologize to you. I need to speak peace into this. Give yourself to be pruned and pure of heart. Because it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What is there better than being a child of God? And what God has spoken into existence, who can take away? If God says it, it must manifest. It doesn't have a choice. You see, we can speak stuff and our fleshiness And if we believe, it will come to pass because the word of God says it. But we have that little bit of doubt, that little bit of worry, that what if. Well, I'm going to say it and hope that it does. I'm going to say it. Maybe it will. But God said, "Mm mm-mm. That child is a peacemaker. That's my son. Come hell or high water, that is his son. No matter what happens in life, you are a child of God if you were a peacemaker. And as a child of God, you have an inheritance. You have blessings manifested on earth that are entitled to you, that have no choice but to manifest in your life because your ditty has said they will be. This is what comes from being a peacemaker. So put down the gossip. Find you a different hairdresser. Go to a different coffee bar. Put yourself in places where you cannot be a stick and stir up disunity, but go into a place where you are a man and woman of peace and a child of God. 
because it's who the world needs you to be. You see, every one of these things, the mercy, I had a right to a good product from both places. I had a right to a full refund. I had a right to complain because I wasn't satisfaction guaranteed. I have a right to have the things that I've gone to school for, to be the job that I've always worked for. But it's about so much more than me. You see, I didn't even complain to that service industry. And you know why? Because there's somebody here that goes there and has been ministering to them and loving on them and telling them about the love of Christ. And I think we're at like seven people saved in that industry now, in that one business now. What happens if I go up there and I show my butt? I have a right to a refund. You didn't do this. Not only did you not do it right once, you didn't do it twice. I want my refund. And I look like all the rest of the world, every other customer. Then this person goes, they get saved, they decide to try to come to church, they walk in, and lo and behold, there's that raging lunatic up there preaching. What happens if they're in the food line? Jessica walked in the food line not long ago and saw a woman, blue, laying on the floor. Well, what happens if her family is around her? And maybe Jessica was the raging lunatic the day before. And she says, oh, let me pray for healing for this person. How well are they going to receive healing and life from a raging lunatic who was entitled to what they deserve? If we want what we deserve, we can go to hell. And I know that sounds blunt, but it's just that true. What more do we deserve? Not a single thing. But blessed are we because we walk in mercy. Blessed are we because we are pure of heart. Blessed are we because we are the peacemakers. So despite the fact that we deserve hell and no more, blessed is all we will get. I'll get mercy. I will see God. I will be called his baby girl. Because it's who I am. So your action point. Look for and utilize peace and unity in every situation. Even the ones where your flesh rise up. Every situation. And take your seat as a child of God. Because you can choose to react in the flesh and you'll walk away with the flesh's rewards. Or you can act as a child of God and walk away with the inheritance of a king. So I ask you this question. Are you there? Are you the merciful? Are you the pure? Because you need to ask yourself, what if God asked for this 
Could I give it just like that? Are you the peacemaker? Because if you're not yet there, today's a new day. The same way it was a decision to receive Christ as your Savior, we can make a decision right now that that's who we're going to be. But I want to first ask you this. Because you can't be who you're called to be until you are a child of God. Because that's who you were created to be. You were created to be loved by a father, to be provided for, to be saved from what you deserve. You see, he created you because he wanted you individually. He wanted you. He could have created anybody else, but he created you. You have a purpose. You have a plan. You have a calling, and he desires you. So I want everybody to bow your heads. If you have been a child of God, but you've walked away, I want to pray with you. If you need to renew that commitment with him, raise your hand. I see that. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. But if you've never known him, but you desire to, you want to know God as that perfect father that loves you even when you least deserved it, that saved you from hell, when that was all you deserve, that loves you in the mess and will take you out. If you want to know God as your Savior, raise your hand. Amen, I see that. Amen, I see that. And then lastly, if you're not sure, you've prayed for salvation, but you're just not sure if it took You're just not sure. Am I a child of God? Am I not? I don't know. And I need to know for sure today. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Okay. Still keeping your eyes closed. I want you to pray with me. Lord, I receive your son, Jesus. As my Lord and Savior. I know that He died. And on the third day, He arose. And when He arose, I rose with Him. Clean. Forgiven. A new creation. I receive Him now as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my past and I will live from him for him going forward. In Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray today. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for this word that you have given us that shows us everything we need to walk in the blessings of God. And Father, we choose today to be the blessed of the Lord. We choose today, Father, to be the merciful, 
to be the peacemakers. And Father, we choose today to be pure and clean of heart. So Lord, we give ourselves to you for that pruning. Anything that is not of you, Lord, we ask that it be pruned and cleaned away so that we are so full of you that that's all we see. Lord, I pray blessings on each and every person here. I pray blessings on each and every person that has renewed their commitment to you or made a new commitment to you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you that you call them your children. And Lord, I thank you that they will see you fully manifested in their lives. Lord, I praise you for them. I thank you for the blessings and the love that you daily pour out upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.